Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today, you guys. You found me at my little corner of the internet. Today's Tuesday, December 14th. And as promised, uh, my dear friend, Pastor Phil Hopper, who is the lead pastor at Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri, is on the show with me today. And we are going to talk about the state of the nation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So a couple of things before I jump into this. First of all, I have literally been getting hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cards here at the Homeschool Resource Center. In fact, I'm going to put a list of a few of them up on the show notes today, but I just wanted to say thank you. It's just such a joy for me to see your pictures and see the letters and the handwritten letters from uh, five-year-olds are particularly making my day. So uh, keep them coming, you guys. This is the most wonderful time of the year here at the Homeschool Resource Center. And so we're putting those cards and letters up on the wall for the students to see. You guys can send those to us. Heidi St. John, Care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. We really appreciate it, you guys. Also, we are halfway through our study on Advent over at Mom Strong International, and we would love to have you guys join us. It's not too late. You can download the booklet and, and uh, do a little bit of catch up with your family. It's a great thing to do in the evening so that we really do keep our focus on the Lord Jesus. You know, we've, we, this nation and uh, Phil and I are going to talk about this today has become more and more secularized. We're watching a Christ really completely stripped out of the equation for Christmas, which I find amusing since Christmas is all about Jesus. But here in the local stores, and I just got back from Chattanooga and Dallas. I was in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. And what you see everywhere is winter celebrations and holiday celebrations. And it's just another sign of a nation that really has uh, turned away from its roots and turned away from the Lord and uh, and we want to remind our children uh, why we celebrate Christmas and why it's so important. So you guys can study Advent with us at momstronginternational.com. All right, you guys, you know how much I love uh, Pastor Phil Hopper and his wife, Krista. They are the uh, the team and the heartbeat behind what God is doing at Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. And I had an opportunity to get to know them several years ago through my dear friend, Steve and Jane Lambert. Uh, Steve and Jane, absolutely huge fans, as everyone knows, of the Hopper family. And he called me and said, Heidi, you got to listen to the series that Phil is doing. It's amazing. So, of course, I listened to it. And uh, I invited Phil to come on the show and just talk about what God's doing in his life. So, Phil, my friend, welcome back to the show. So good to be with you again, Heidi. We love you guys and are so thrilled with what the Lord is doing in your life and pray for you always. Thank you for modeling the way and leading the way, getting off the bench <laughs> and onto the mm. battlefield. <laughs> yeah, my husband said uh, that I was so far off the bench, I couldn't even see it anymore. So <laughs> You may <laughs> there, never there find be... your way back for a breather. Yeah, I may never, yeah, I may never find my way back. Or mm. somebody set the bench on fire. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure what happened, mm-hmm. but it's, it's out of sight, that's for sure. You and I, right before uh, we started recording, we're talking about uh, Marxism in the United States. And I have talked about this many times on the show, just the fact that our nation has become increasingly secularized and we see this more and more, but you've been talking about this really openly, uh, at the show and kind of, or at the show at your church, you don't have a show, you have a church, I have a show, you have a church. Uh, tell me a little bit about where this came from and sort of, because I know that there are a lot of people that are scratching their heads right now looking at what's happening in the country and even around the world. And we see really the forces of, uh, of the spirit of the age, right? Yeah. Who's not hiding in the shadows no anymore. Doubt. He's strutting around in the street. So uh, 
So maybe let's touch on that a little bit. This idea that um, Marxism isn't a political, which you just said, it's so fascinating. It's not a political entity. Mm -hmm. It's a worldview. Yes, it is. So I did a series this fall, Heidi, for our church, creatively entitled The Church, (laughs) (laughs) subtitled subtitled An Ancient (laughs) Future, the idea of being coming out of COVID in a world that is changing so rapidly We are no longer living in a Judeo-Christian society. We're living in a Greco-Roman society. We were founded as a Judeo-Christian civilization with a Judeo-Christian worldview. Let's just come to terms with the fact that we're no longer living in that world that was. We're living in a different world now. We're living in the world of early Christianity. Early church was born into a Greco-Roman culture with a radically different worldview than Christianity. So uh, let's learn from the past as we navigate the future. So we went back and actually studied some of what the ancient church went through. Remember, they changed their world with 120 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a movement that radically altered Roman society, morally, culturally, spiritually. They didn't do it with uh, any constitutional rights. They did it with no legislation. They did it with no political activism. They had no rights. The gospel transform the world. I still think it can. Mm. So the idea of the series was, let's learn from the past as we navigate the future. What will the future church look like and how will we change the world? Well, we talked about several things that I think are very relevant to your listeners today. A church of orthodoxy in an age of heresy. Eight out of the 10 American churches no longer believe in biblical inerrancy, biblical authority. That leads to a cut and paste theology Uh, I quoted from a pastor up in Chicago, the second largest church in the Presbyterian Church USA. And it's typical of this age that Jesus is her way, but he's certainly not the way. Well, that's heresy. That's apostasy. We are are watching the end times church of Revelation 17.5 emerge. Revelation 17.5 calls the church of the end of times, the tribulation, a harlot, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth. So this church is now prostituting the truth with the lies of the enemy. And that's why God calls her a harlot. We're watching the harlot church emerge before our eyes. So we're going to be a church of orthodoxy in an age of apostasy. I, I preached a message on a church of biblical morality in an age of sexual depravity. Uh, you know, Christians have always believed what God says about marriage. Culture can do whatever they want with it. God hadn't changed his mind. Uh, Christians have always believed in monogamy within marriage. You know, we live in an age of, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's all about love. Well, love is love. That's the mantra. And what, what that means is if I love someone, well, that then gives me the moral right to sleep with them. Well, think about where that leads. We're only just talking theoretically now about women with women, men with men. Well, what happens when a 40-year-old man says, well, I love this 12-year-old? If love mm-hmm. is love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see, it becomes chaos. And that's where we are now, moral anarchy, because we've abandoned mm-hmm. biblical morality. I preached a message on a church of the Great Commission in an age of politicization. Well, Heidi, I think the worst thing that could happen to the church is to become politicized. 
Jesus launched a spiritual movement, not a political movement. We live in an age now where everything is politicized. I think the worst thing that could happen to the church, the worst thing that could happen to the gospel, is for it to become politicized too. But as I taught my church that day, the fact that the church is not a political institution does not mean individual Christians should not be politically active. The reason the New Testament writers never spoke into politics is because the idea throughout church history, especially in the early days until only very recently, the idea that Christians could elect their government leaders was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Of course, the New Testament doesn't speak into that because it never even crossed their mind. It didn't that, exist. It didn't exist. But we yeah. do have something Jesus said that I think speaks into it specifically, where he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God's what is God's. And so as New Testament Christians living now in America, where we have the right that no one before us could have fathomed to actually be a part of free elections and and be a part of the governing process. If we're going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and the worst thing we can do is completely abandon the governing process. We're called to be the salt and light of society everywhere. That has to do with education. That has to do with the arts, media, journalism, and yes, government. And so we're to take the light of God and the salt of the Word of God into every crevice and corner of society that shapes society. And I think rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar specifically means get involved in government. And that's what you're doing, Heidi. Just one more reason. I'm so proud of you. It's one thing to talk about what is wrong. It's another thing to insert yourself and uh, do what is right. And on that particular day, I specifically spoke about Marxism because... Most Americans don't even know what it is. It's never been a part of the fabric of American landscape. Uh, I grew up at a time where I could actually remember the Cold War, the Mm -hmm. 1980s, when it came to a head, the fall of the Berlin Wall, Mm, the implosion of the Soviet. Oh, my word. Tear down that wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, But we're living at a time now where many Americans don't understand the evil of Marxism. We're not talking here about traditional American politics of the right and left, Republican, Democrat. There was a time that it didn't matter which side of the political aisle you sat on. There were certain core values you agreed on. It's what our democracy was made of. And we set up what we call a liberal democracy. Uh, What that means is First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press. Why is it now for the first time ever in our generation, first generation in the history of our nation, what we commonly call the cancel culture? Yep. Where you no longer have freedom of expression to express a different opinion, different idea, diversity of thought. See what that is, it's cultural Marxism. The cancel culture is cultural Marxism where you still have freedom of speech, but so many people are fearful of actually expressing their diverse thought or opinion on a given subject because they don't want to get canceled. That's cultural Marxism where we still have legally the freedom of speech, but people won't use it because they're in fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still have the freedom of religion, that people are afraid to openly live as a Christian. Again, because I might get passed over for promotion. 
or I might get ostracized on my job, any number of outcomes. So what happens is cultural Marxism precedes legislative Marxism. Uh, you have pastors in the UK, pastors in Canada that have been arrested for doing nothing more than simply preaching openly on biblical marriage. It's called hate speech. There's legislation that now legislates against openly preaching on biblical marriage. And gay marriage is not biblical marriage. So because that's hate speech, that's now a crime. Now we're protected in America. Why? Because of our First Amendment guarantees of freedom of speech. All that is now being challenged. So when we talk about Marxism, we're not talking about the historic right and left politics of American politics. There was a time, Democrats, Republicans, everybody agreed on these core values, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of thought, freedom of the press. Now you have the control of information. Now you have what amounts to the cancel culture, where we're going to cancel certain people who uh, are espousing, quote, disinformation. This would have been unheard of at one time. Heidi, it would have been unheard of at one time, regardless of what you think of the vaccines. Uh, I, I, I've told our church I'm not going to take a position on the vaccines because the Bible takes no position on vaccines. We're not going to be anti-science or anti-medicine. I have signed probably 200 religious exemption forms for people that have asked for them. I fully support your right. Yeah, uh, it's a freedom issue. To a religious exemption, whether mm -hmm. or not I have an opinion on whether or not you should get vaccinated. And I personally know people that love Jesus who have been vaccinated for COVID-19. I know people mm -hmm. who have not been vaccinated for conscience reasons for COVID-19. Mm -hmm. but, but the idea that the federal government thinks they can mandate right. and that's your the personal issue. medical decisions, where your medical mm -hmm. decisions is no longer between you and your God and you and your doctor, it's now between you and a bureaucrat on the federal level. It would have been unthinkable just a few years ago because it's not only unconscionable, it's unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Yet we live at a time where God is being minimized and historically in any society where God is minimized, government will be maximized. Government becomes God. And that is why Karl Marx considered government the ultimate arbitrator and authority over society. Whereas our founders believed God ought to be the ultimate authority and arbitrator over our lives individually. So you have in any Marxist society, uh, war on religion. Okay, so in Soviet communism of the 20th century, you had war on religion. Joseph Stalin murdered 20 million Russian Christians. You have the Mao Zedong, who came to power in 1957, led the Chinese in a Marxist revolution. A hundred million Chinese lost their lives. You see, Marxism is more than simply politics of the left and right. We're talking about a religion a religion of atheism, where God is minimized and government then can be maximized. And the simple truth is, Heidi, people that are controlled by God can't be controlled by government. 
And that's why they are making war on religion. And when you talk to to uh, ordinary Christians, you know, people who because the truth of the matter is nobody wants to get involved into the the deep pockets and to, you know, go into the dark places where Marxism leads. Right. And so the schools have stopped teaching about it. The churches aren't talking about it. And now here we find ourselves literally immersed in cultural Marxism, you know, and I find it's fascinating because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, 50 years ago, the liberals would have been like, you know, they didn't call it uh, cancel culture. They said, you're being censored. Yeah. And so censorship was the buzzword. Nobody wanted to be censored. You can't censor it. You know, uh, it was, you can discriminate. Well, now we're discriminating against people on the basis of whether or not they're vaccinated. We're watching this divide, this cultural divide getting uh, deeper and deeper and deeper. And right at the corner of uh, the intersection of faith and culture sits the church. Yeah. And we have an incredible opportunity right now to speak life mm-hmm. into uh, into the darkness and to be uh, and to be ambassadors. Mm-hmm. When you talk to uh, to people about this, what kind of a reaction are you getting? You think people are are seeing it, or do you, are you getting still a lot of pushback? What's what what are you seeing? Well, as you might imagine, our church is very supportive of biblical truth mm-hmm. uh, because that's why I like you. Well, so <laughs> you, you either get right with God, or eventually. Uh, you leave and there's always people who leave and a lot of people get right with God. So, you know, I made a statement recently in that message. um, The day the truth is outlawed in America, I'll become an outlaw. Yep. So far it hasn't Mm -hmm. been, but here's Mm -hmm. what people don't know. Here's an example of legislative Marxism that is around the corner. In the first 100 days of the Biden administration, one of his goals was to pass HR five, the equality act. If H.R. 5 should pass, what that would mean for churches like ours is we would have to, by law, hire for employment. If, if, if a member of, let's say, the LGBTQ community applied for employment or a transgender person applied for employment, we could not not hire them based on their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That would be illegal. Now, we love members of the LGBT community. We welcome anyone to come to our church at any time if they want to pursue Jesus and pursue faith. But let's mm-hmm. face it, if you come to work at a church like ours, you need to be embracing what God calls a godly lifestyle, a Christian lifestyle. We right. wouldn't hire you if you're a male shacking up with your girlfriend. Right. It, 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 if you're living openly in sin, we all sin, we all struggle with temptation, but there's a difference between struggling with sin and our own sanctification versus boldly, publicly embracing. Embracing, it. yeah. So here's the point. We would be um, felons if we did not hire someone, theoretically, even living in a sinful lifestyle. Uh, mm-hmm. We would be felons if we continue to have male and female restrooms in our church facilities. Mm-hmm. So legally now you've got to let males use female restrooms and vice versa if this mm-hmm. should pass. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Marxism. That That is a complete, blatant, open attack on what I would consider, and many Americans consider, the most sacred 
of the Ten Bill of Rights, freedom of religion, this is what makes our society unique in all of human history. Government shall not discriminate against religion. Mm-hmm. And to think now, government thinks they have the authority to do that. It's unconscionable, it's unconstitutional, but it's going to be tested. It's just one example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we're getting an opportunity to stand right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't a time for passivity. It's not a time for us to go, well, I guess things will just get better. You know, it's a time for us to use our voices, to use whatever platform God has given us. And mm-hmm. every single person listening to this has influence. Yeah. You know, some of us have influence over more people, but we all have influence over children, over family members, over social circles, over, uh, you know, coworkers. And the truth is we're watching and HR5 would be devastating. I mean, I don't think they have enough votes in the Senate right now. Uh, certainly they have them in the, in, uh, in the House of Representatives. I don't think they have it in the Senate right now. But I always tell people when you look at the bills that the Democrats are putting forward, whatever the bill's title is, flip it on its head and that's what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Right. Because up is down and down is up. So this the Equality Act is not about equality. It's about equity. It's yeah. not about because we believe in equality. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's in our Bill of Rights and, and you know, recognizing that we're all made in the image of God and that our rights come from God, mm-hmm. not from government. Mm-hmm. We believe in equality. This is not about uh, equal opportunity. It's about equal outcome. Right. And, and what they've done and what they're doing, the strategy is really good. It is. We're going to pick. We're, we're going to pit sexual freedom against religious freedom. Mm-hmm. So you have the Fourteenth Amendment that's being used to erode the First Amendment. The point is, you don't have to take rights from one group to give rights to another group. Uh, our 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 courts have said that, for example, gay couples now have the constitutional right to marry. If I'm a cake baker and a cake decorator, and my religious conscience says I cannot participate in that wedding, I'm not standing in the way of their constitutional rights to get married. They can still get married. I'm not Mm -hmm. the one standing in their way telling them you can't get married. See, what we've done is taken rights from that religious cake baker or that religious business owner to give rights to a different set of Americans who formerly didn't have those rights. So the reality is we don't have to take rights from religious people to give rights to another group of people, but that is what's happening. It's again, Marxism Mm -hmm. is war on religion. Religion is seen as the enemy. Karl Marx said religion is the opioid of the masses. Yep. Yep. So consequently we, we have to, if this is your worldview, and you believe government should be the arbitrator now of truth, the arbitrator now of uh, what is fair. And by the way, Marxism does not bring equality. It does not bring any sense of into classism or power structures or oppression. It simply redefines it. Does anybody really think Joseph Stalin lived on the same level as a Russian peasant? Right. Yeah, it's silly. You don't end classism. You still have classism. You don't end oppression. What you have are those formerly who thought they were oppressed themselves becoming the oppressors. That's right. That was the Bolshevik Revolution, 1917. And going back, you can see how it emerged. They were coming out of what amounted to 
five, six hundred years of European feudalism, where the king owned all the land. Land meant agriculture, and agriculture is what drove the economy. So if you didn't have land, you were destined to be a peasant and live in poverty forever. So coming out of feudalism, so no, we're, we're going to end this oppression, and we're going to give power to the people. Well, it sounded great if you were a Russian peasant at the time, but look at what happened. You gave power now to government. You just no longer call it feudalism. You call it now communism. And nothing really changed. It's just another form of oppression. And that's all Marxism really accomplishes. You don't end oppression. You don't end classism. You just redefine who's on the top rung. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay? So it doesn't, it doesn't end poverty. It just makes more people poor. It doesn't make us all equal. It just makes us more and more the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the end, it eliminates our individual freedoms that frankly has made America unique in all, all of world history. Yeah. Well, and America is uh, is suffering under this. I mean, certainly we've seen it now kind of coming, kind of making the slow march. You and I have talked about this many mm-hmm. times. That's why you were saying your uh, your church is committing now to helping parents homeschool their children, yeah. which is so exciting because we're recognizing that education really is ground zero it's for the, the implementation of Marx. It of absolutely it is. is. It's the implementation of Marxism in our country. It is uh, redefining the uh, the history and rewriting it. Now we have revisionist history. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, as I travel the country and speak to audiences all around this amazing nation, uh, the anger that I'm encountering mm-hmm. from people who really believe that they're on a righteous mission, mm-hmm. these young people who have been indoctrinated to yeah. believe that America is inherently racist, that yeah. capitalism is an, an evil form of... Uh, of uh, of forming a society and we got work to do. Right. That's for sure. Right. I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper. Again, he is the lead pastor for Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. We're going to come back tomorrow and continue talking about this topic, but also we're going to touch on something that we heard about recently uh, that happened outside of the United Nations building in New York. There's basically a statue been put out there that looks like a leopard, has feet like the feet of a bear, the mouth like that of a lion. If it sounds oddly familiar, it should. This statue is described in Revelation 13, and there's nobody better to talk about this than Phil Hopper, who has a love for the book of Revelation, and we have gone over this many times. Also, I did a study on the book of Revelation called People Get Ready. I did it for three months last year, and uh, I'd say it's even more exciting to look at that study now than it was even when I wrote it originally. So check it out at MomStrong International. People get ready and then come back tomorrow for part two of my interview with my friend, Pastor Phil Hopper. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.